Hi everyone, welcome to Rose Reviews. My name is Rose, and tonight I am reviewing the anime called Fire Force. So this was actually an anime that I had seen in my circles, kind of in like these cool gifts because it had a lot of uh, visual effects, but I didn't see a lot of people talking about it. And like I said, it had a really good kind of visual premise. So I went ahead and I gave it a chance. And I must say, this is an anime I wouldn't quite categorize as typical. This is one where they heavily rely on making an impact through their screen time and just not really focusing so much on the plot that it makes a whole lot of sense. I am admittedly only on episode 12 and I know that there are about 24 episodes in this first season. I just wanted to talk about if you were considering an anime like this, what you would actually be receiving. The anime has such a cool premise. I am an avid anime watcher myself. Watch a lot of the main stuff. Um, My Hero Academia, Hunter x Hunter, One Punch Man, uh, Full Metal Alchemist, Black Butler, Horn High School X Club. A lot of stuff that's very followed and has a lot of analytics already but I have not seen a lot going into this show uh, precursor it. <clears throat> now I realized that it is kind of a new show but I'm pretty sure it came out around the same kind of years that the show Demon Slayer came out around and it's like why did Demon Slayer take off and have such a fandom um, when Fire Force did it? Even the show called Haiku, which has a giant following, I, which I don't quite understand, so I guess that'd be another episode. Why didn't this one succeed? I've definitely seen like a few fan arts and mainly fan arts of this show and like I said before gifs arts but it's like and yes I do pronounce gif gif um I just I wanted to kind of dive into why the show works and why it doesn't and why it's the perfect kind of show to sit there and just not think about and kind of let you let it take over. So, first off, I wanted to say that the openings and the, the opening to, because as far as I've seen, there's only one, the opening to the show is by far one of the most beautiful and storytelling openings I've ever seen. Uh, I actually stuck around mainly because the opening was such a drawing 
first of all the music is extremely upbeat I I do not know the name of the singer or the band but um it's just very it's so fun it kind of starts off with this scene at night and there's like it gives a viewscape of the city and then all of a sudden there's all of these infernos or these people that have caught fire that the fire force are trying to put out this is also a good intro just to the show if you don't know what this show is about and it introduces the main character he can produce fire from his feet you know it helps to have fire powers when you're fighting people that have caught on fire and he kind of is in the air flying and he turns around and he's smiling and it, like that's how it starts and then it just goes on to introduce every main character of the fire force that we see and they're each in their own element doing their own thing um, and it's just so cool every scene of these different characters really tells kind of what they who they are and what they can do and I really enjoyed just the kind of story that was being told because it's like they're fighting bad guys in the night and you see each character's face and their power and then they fight this giant bad guy at the end and they all defeat him but really it's the main character whose name is Shinra that lands the final blow and that's a very summarized version of it, but basically, it's just this beautiful, like, mirage of action and punctual hits on the beats of this very upbeat song. And it's just like, I just love it so much because it's like, it's like you wouldn't even know like it's like you wouldn't even have to know the show you could just watch the opening and you know be satisfied I found myself singing the song in the car like the opening song in the car and I was like um, I don't even know Japanese and this is just one of the most catchiest songs uh, and what I really enjoy personally is that there's three female main characters in this force and you know usually you see one typically when it's shown in anime or anime geared towards a larger male audience um and there's two other main guys on the force and then there's two leaders so it's like the five the three girls and the two boys are kind of the foot soldiers and then there'll be there's a second in command and there's a first in command so the first in command, his name's Oni. He doesn't have any firepowers, he's just super strong and he acts like a shield. Second in command, his name is Hinawa and he specifically can manipulate fire um, and he uses that to slow bullets down so that they don't hit people as hard. So he 
I thought that was actually a really interesting concept. I've never seen that done before. So he uses regular guns, regular bullets. He just manipulates the fire so that when they hit someone, they basically just knock them out versus killing them. And then, so those are the two in charge. And then we have the three females. There's the first female we're kind of introduced to. Her name's Maki. And she can, can, like, she needs to start a fire because she can't produce fire. She, uh, so she'll use a fire starter and she'll kind of create these orbs, these floating orbs of fire that, um, in one episode they show that they can make a face. Uh, and so, you know, it's kind of like these cute little orbs floating around. But she'll throw these fireballs and she can manipulate fire coming at her. And she's kind of a strong character, like stronger than the rest to some degree. And uh, she's so she's very quick on her feet, very like she'll lift more than the average uh, member of the team. And then the second female, she joins later, but she is in the opening. Her name's Tamaki and she kind of produces these flame extensions from her body and it makes her look like a cat or kind of like a fire, like a fox, like a firefox, you know, like the web browser. Um, and she'll have ears and a tail and she'll run on both, on all fours. And she'll kind of do roulette and gymnastic maneuvers to put out, or I guess, hurt her enemies. But, uh, and then the third one, she's a saint, and she'll say a prayer over the damned, basically. And they have kind of a religious undertone with believing that those who are burnt, their souls are damned, and they say a prayer over them to either just bless their passage, or bless them for their trouble, or to bless them all from you know, being in their presence, it hasn't been entirely clear. There's definitely been discussion, discussions of religion so far. I'm just not, I have not retained throughout the many discussions kind of what exactly that was. I'd have to go back and look. But those are my, that's my first impression. And as far as I'm concerned, she hasn't done much of the heavy lifting, but she definitely has a story to tell and I find it quite interesting. Then the second male lead, although I don't know, this show doesn't focus so much on the characters and their backstory, but I would really call him that, but he is kind of like the guy's sensei or the main guy's like sounding board or foil, I'd almost say. And uh, his name's Arthur, and he wields a plasma sword. Like, he has a hilt, and then he'll create such a fine fire on the, as the blade that it's uh, made of plasma. And um, so I think he, I'm not sure if he produces or manipulates it. He manipulates it, but I'm not sure he and then the main character, his name is Shira, and he can produce fire out of his feet, and he uses that to thrust himself in the air and in combat, and it's honestly pretty original. I've never seen that. 
And the kind of last thing that sets this main character apart, he has these teeth that are like shark teeth. And when he's nervous, I think they describe it as a medical issue, but when he's nervous, he apparently, the muscles in his face tighten and he'll smile. So like he'll be in these nerve-wracking situations if these higher-ups are against a very powerful opponent and he's literally like smiling. And a lot of people in his past have called him the devil for it. And uh, they kind of do have references to, I don't know if it's tarot cards or just like places. It's not extremely clear, but it's like, medieval settings like they have a saint they have a knight which would be arthur they have a shield which is the uh oni the main the captain um they have a, sh a witch who is maki and she does the the orbs kind of and she wears the witch's hat and then so he she not is the devil and so it's I think there's just such a good setup here that I was kind of disappointed that the anime hasn't played out like as well to its potential as I thought it could because it's only 24 episodes so you really expect things to be super tight and kind of move along and there to be you know not a, a like a ton of arcs but at least just a couple really firm solid ones and the ones I've seen are mainly them winning over captains of other fire forces because they're fire force eight kind of the last fire force that has been formed because there's only eight i believe and they're kind of the underdogs ragtag team there's only seven of them um in the later episodes you know in the earlier ones he shinra was just recruited so they had just become six and then tamaki joins later on but it's like, I, I don't know. Um, they won over Fire Force Five's captain, Princess Hibana, who knew Iris, the saint. And that was a big arc. And I just felt like it was kind of drawn out. And she seemed entirely obsessed with, you know, scientific research on why people were turning infernal. And you know finding answers and not really caring how she got to those answers like one infernal that she captured or her team captured in within her jurisdiction i don't actually i think it was fire force eight's jurisdiction um i'm not 100 percent sure but one of them they captured was actually sentient and could talk uh, which normal infernals can't do, you know, they're too busy burning alive, but she tortured him trying to find answers, you know, and they're supposed to be the moral good guys, and Iris had a past with Hibana, and Hibana can produce flames, and she can kind of create these visuals, or these, um, not hallucinations, just like images before you in the in the air and stuff and you know she can it's made out of fire so she can also use it as a weapon but it's like 
to win her over, Iris basically just had to go and plea with her. And then they found, like, and then Princess Havana wouldn't let her leave the building. And so basically, Fire Force 8 was like, she was kidnapped. And they went and they fought and they defeated all of Princess Havana's people. And kind of got, like, a cool display of their powers. But it was, like, kind of this dynamic of dominant and submissive between Princess Havana and Iris um with you know Iris being like whatever like I don't care what you've done I just I know you're such a good person and Havana being like you don't know crap and they both grew up in in this church and they have this sad backstory um church setting and they kind of reveal it slowly throughout the arc because it does last a couple episodes. But uh, I knew about it before it, before the arc because of the closing song. The closing song is completely different from the opening. Um, and it's just this kind of gritty, like, like upbeat chant. It starts with that, and then it kind of fades into this, like, uh, wordless montage, upbeat montage, of kind of the life at this saint's school where these young girls were raised. So it basically starts out in this, with this kind of chant, it starts out in this burnt down church, and you just see all these bodies and kind of parts, and like, someone in the rubble you know, with their head between their knees, and, uh, then it, it flashes to the life in the, in the church beforehand, before it was all burned down, of these, like, young orphan girls just living life, and it's just, like, these stills that just flash, like, every half second, and, like, you just see so much, because it's, like, one was, like, of them messing around with each other, one of them like playing in the river, uh, one of them in class, one of them singing, one of them like setting the table for them all to eat at, one of them in church, like one kissing the other on the cheek and going and the other going, hey, ah, gross, and then you know they're doing laundry, they're out in the field. Then the very last one is Iris. If you look closely, it's Iris and Havana like leaning up against each other on a pew sleeping. And then it goes to Iris as a young girl. She's looking in through a doorway of the main like chapel and all of her like like comrades, all of her fellow orphans and leaders, they're all burning like in their seats. Like they all turned infernal. And they one hand reaches for her and she runs away at the last second, but they had grabbed her cross necklace. And it's set alight. Um, and that kind of fades to kind of the height of the song. And she starts running in the rain. Like she's running outside and it's just her silhouette running. It's just this, like the way it's drawn, it's just this very young kind of curved body. Like you can tell she's a really young girl. Like I just thought it was very, like, admirable. Like you could just tell it was young little girl not used to running and she's just running and running it's like you can almost feel the smoke in her lungs 
and the song is still like upbeat it but it's just so sad and she's running in the rain and she kind of stumbles at the end um and she's reaching out and there's just flames in the background and i forgot to mention like kind of earlier in the closing song we get a view of i think it's right after the sequence of the girls yeah of the flash of or the montage of all the girls the it's grown-up iris sitting by the fo a fountain and she's kind of in this like white dress that's kind of loose and she splashes this bucket of water over her head and we can't see her eyes but she's just like almost you can tell that she's reminiscing and she just you think it's just kind of like a still of her but then she turns her head and you see her like of cracked lips and then you I think it then flashes to the flames in the church but uh, she runs and runs and falls and then it goes to Iris in modern day and she's kind of like in the back of the teen car it's called a matchbox and she looks around and she sees each of her then comrades like her team and each still is so telling of their characters once again just like the opening and she kind of takes a deep breath and smiles at the end and she's like she's found new people you know she's kind of leveled up and I guess in her confidence and her faith that the people around her are going to be taking they can take care of themselves and you know they can all take care of each other and it stills with all like a, a hat you know all these objects on a table one of them's you know a newly referred like new cross necklace and so I just thought it was such a powerful closing and I was really looking forward to hearing about you know kind of this background and they gave it and they gave actual scenes um, of the orphan girls and kind of the burning in the arc but it just like Princess Ibana seemed to go so off the edge and they kind of explained that like the way she coped with the flames was not by relying on the religion like Iris had done it was by relying on herself as a really great scientist and chemist because uh she would often, like in one of the flashbacks, she used uh, different chemicals to make her flame images different colors. So they kind of introduced that well. Um, relying on herself for answers and kind of turning away, like, you know, asking that question, you know, if there's a God, why do bad things happen to good people? And so I thought it was like an interesting juxtaposition, but it just took so many episodes. Um, to win her over in the end, like the winning over in the end was basically Shinra busting in and punching her in the face with his foot. He got past all her, her powerful moves and er thus earned her respect. And I feel like that's definitely an anime trope that this series relies on. But it's just like not one that I um, 
thought was done the best. Because it took so long. And because Princess Sibana was built as such this powerful character, kind of like... She would... Um, not the best woman, but definitely powerful in her own right. Like her company, uh, all the men in her company consistently got their faces stepped on and you know it found like pleasure in it uh, and there were some other female members of her company that were completely dolled up um, and kind of dressed the same so she definitely had control of you know being the main character but it's like the second Shima kicked her butt she was compliant and was like fine I didn't want to fight you anyway but they just built her up to be so damaged inside I just thought her redemption was kind of immediate and not really believable um that's the one I've seen the most or I saw the whole part of it and then kind of the after effects because Havana joins our team she's like Okay, Fire Force 5, we work, Company 5, I guess, will work with Company 8. And, you know, she's over there constantly. And then, I feel like, worst of all, she's now romantically inclined towards Shima, who does seem to be a lot younger than her. And it's just because he kicked her butt that she likes him. And I just was like, okay, fine. <sighs> I don't know. I just feel like. I feel like maybe this anime missed the mark. Because that arc, you know, kind of sets the stage for a lot of the other different arcs. Um, there was one where another force, or, or company, Company 1, they went and they kind of, like, challenged the main guy, the captain, all of them did. And because they were doing an exchange, like a fire force exchange uh program where they sent a few of their people over to you know another force and they kind of all rotated and that's how we were introduced to tamaki because she was a part of fire force one long story short um they find out that find out that there's a traitor in <clears throat> within company one and being company one, they all have major powers. And there's, uh, they find the traitor. And it was the guy Tamaki had a crush on. And so, at one point, she accidentally helps him gather up children to experiment on. To become infernals. And, uh, she does it because she likes him. And for being such this this powerful character that kind of set her up to be in the opening, I was really disappointed that she's mainly used as kind of this sexual gag because her clothes often fall off or she will often uh, find herself in situations where, you know, she trips or she'll be in the way of Shinra tripping and either way, she ends up with 
Sheena's face and her boobs or his hands or whatever or all of her clothes off or something and it's just kind of like you know a tired <laughs> sexist trope and she's kind of the punchline often used um I really I actually really liked her outfit you know it's kind of the heavy fire force because there are firefighters and policemen in this world but then there's also you know fire force companies she the fire force companies have these large kind of almost uh bell-shaped jackets with these blue highlighter stripes across him across them and typically everyone in the company wears them clothes and they have pants in a similar fashion and then these kind of neck guards and hats she wears an open jacket and she wears kind of these suspender pants like the suspenders start at her waist and she has like no pockets uh and when i say no pockets like the spaces where the pockets would be are empty so it shows like her legs and kind of like a bikini top and i really liked it because she run i don't even know like i would enjoy wearing that like it's gonna get hot way less protection but she manages to outmaneuver a lot of the damage um still you know there is sexualization in that but then also i guess you could say expression um wearing whatever she wants uh except i mainly see it used as a gag and she's set up to be very powerful but when it comes to finding out that her main guy is a bad guy and kind of a crazy guy who's experimenting with these children trying to cause like see if one of them could survive the infernal process um she just kind of cries and uses her powers as a flare to call for help and she tries to comfort the children but she herself in comparison to this tall kind of crazy guy looks like a child as well so it's like they want me to believe she's powerful but also when it comes to times of crisis or this time of crisis she wasn't and i just seriously wanted her to kick this guy's butt and overcome that crush that she had um eventually guess who shinra comes in and beats him up enough to the point where backup team members from company one can immobilize him and that was that's kind of used as a setting point uh to showcase a bigger plot point that he was actually part of this kind of anti-religious group like they're kind of the opposite of what the main religion believes main religion believes that you know fire you know the infernals aren't good but then those granted fire powers you know have the flame of soul they call it and there's like a worshiping process there but they essentially believe that there's you know heaven and a hell and those affected by in this infernal disease they're of hell and uh his group Rekka the crazy guy his group believes that it's the infernal process is is the gift 
apart and those that can survive it are kind of uh, superior in a way and they're trying to find people that can survive it so um, that this kind of chain reaction that's happening with around parts of the world um, they can sur- they'll be the ones surviving it basically and then they're the chosen ones and so uh, another plot point I kind of found confusing was the way he triggered it in these kids and um, we come to find out later random people in the streets is through bugs and it just like these little beetle like creatures that go in and apparently cause people to be set aflame and uh, I didn't think it was like such an off the wall idea I just like I was like, bugs, you know, that's, that's like a very, like, I've seen bugs before and seen them done well, and I just feel like this was, like, out of the blue and there was no, their world building never allowed, like, kind of thought for a bug that would cause flames, you know, and so I was just like, okay, uh, there's no further explanation on how the bugs cause fire. Just that they in themselves are kind of these fire-producing creatures in humans. And, uh, I don't know. They definitely do really well explaining people's powers and how different flames can be manipulated. And they're kind of unique to each character, so that's super cool. The most recent episode I was watching, this guy will manipulate people's looks, like their faces, to look different by heating up their the capillaries and kind of... It was like a really kind of detailed explanation. Um, that capillaries in their face and then it like creates a malleable sh- skin structure and he literally massage them into a new existence and he was going crazy um or not crazy he was like kind of a particularist and you know about art so an art fanatic i think is the word i'm looking for so he was like yes yes you know art um my passion explained how he could make someone look like someone else so quickly and um I just I like that's that was really cool to me and a really good kind of solid explanation in probably two sentences and so I could really get on board it's just the I feel like the bugs like they didn't like there was no like even they could say that they don't know much about fire and how kind of started but it's just like you know in the general world knowledge but it's like there are people born with these fire powers and they call them you know first gen second gen third gen and the third generation um they tend to be able to produce fire the second gen can manipulate fire and then the first gen um actually i don't know what the first gen can do i don't think they've ever mentioned it just second, third, they really have the distinction 
I may be missing that detail, but um, they really do play this movie in the second and third. And we just met a character who is a, I believe, a compound or composite fire manipulator, and he can do both. Yeah, actually, I was wrong earlier. And if you can produce it, I think you can only manipulate yours. But if you are a second, like, and that's a third gen. If you're a second gen, you can manipulate other people's fire as well. And so, like, you can manipulate ones that, like, you obviously can't produce any. So you can only manipulate, you know, other people's. So it's, he can produce and manipulate and that was kind of cool to see how that evolved um so I just felt like this show definitely like I'm having like this is my second sit down watching of a couple episodes in a row over like probably the course of a month uh just because like I don't there's not much compelling me forward I definitely looked ahead on the summaries and I know that there's a lot of evolution um, regarding the main character's powers and like him finding his lost family. Also, the why we wanted to follow him was he wanted to be a hero and he wanted people to call out to him and rely on him and that kind of seems to be the premise in a lot of the arcs. Like, you know, even when you didn't call my name, like, I was there for you, and that's what I want, just to be a hero, because it was, like, a childhood dream of his, and then his mom became Infernal before he could, I guess, level up enough to protect her, so he went ahead with his five-year-old dream, like, the dream he had when he was a five-year-old, um, I don't know, I thought it was fun, like, watching My Hero Academia, you know, the whole point is to be a hero. I guess it's, mm, you know, unfair in a sense to compare them. I just felt like knowing My Hero Academia and then being so thorough with, like, I want to become a hero because of this and this and this, and I'm going to be doing this and this and this to become a hero. And then he's using, Shinra's using the general term hero in like completely different world of like where it all centers around fire i was just like <sighs> i almost feel like the word firefighter would be more appropriate so i was just like mm, i'm not completely on board with what you're saying but it's just it's so interesting to me because i feel like this show's visuals are like out of the water like, even when he smiles, it, like, gives me chills. Like, he nervous smiles or whatever. Like, it's just so absolutely gorgeous and well done that I just want to watch it, like, for the aesthetic. Like, it's hard for me to be on my phone playing a game like I do with some other shows and peripherally watching it because it's, like, that's all I want to do is visually watch this show. If I were to do anything else, it'd probably be listening to, like, another audio file or uh, audiobook or music or something 
just so I could enjoy the visuals. Um, there was a scene, like, the anime is so, the animation is so clean and crisp and very fluid. And not to mention, I will say that the sounds the fires make when they start and the, like, when he lights his feet up, I guess, it's just this, like, ASMR, this kind of, like, roar, like, this fire roar. Like, imagine, like, a blowtorch, but then it's, like, softer and more distant, but also, like, in your face. It just has, like, a rounder... It's like a square sound with rounder edges. I know that sounds weird, but it's like prevalent, but it's like not hard to swallow. And I just, man, it's just so visually stunning. And I just, I really admire this anime's animation. And I just feel like whoever animated it, like the team of artists, they really, like it was like a, a labor of love. There's a scene at the end of the Rekka Tamaki putting the bugs into the children to see who survives arc where Shinra busts in from the ceiling and he has his feet on Rekka's face and uh, he looks over and it's like the end of the episode and he looks over and he's like, are you okay, Tamaki? And she just looks at him, looks up at him because she's like on the floor because Rekka was beating her up and the light's golden from behind uh, from behind Shinra and so when it's shining on her it's all gold and her and she starts crying and it's just like this almost 10 second clip of her just crying and it's gorgeous like her face is golden the tears streaming down her are golden and I just feel like the frame by frame art increased like almost tenfold during the scene because it's just of her sobbing but it's just like she wipes her face and the tears like keep coming and she's just like kind of nodding she's like I'm okay but it's like it was like a work of art I just like I'm almost crying about it like I was like wow this is no this is a good anime <laughs> despite the plot differences it's like I just I think that's the main point of this podcast episode it's like the visuals cannot be overlooked like they're just absolutely phenomenal and the way they manipulate the flames it's like it looks soft almost not like you know those videos where there's lava and people are like oh I don't know if I can could stop myself from touching it you know it's like this soft flow of molten lava it's not that it's like these roiling tendrils of flame that just kind of take on a life of their own but act very flame-like it's like there's it's like controlled chaos it's like they're going and they're eating and they're you know spreading just like normal flames but it almost feels like there's like a like the tips are rounded you know and the colors are just so beautifully intermingled it's like I wouldn't mind being bathed in that like I wouldn't mind being infernal 
And I almost feel like this show, like, for as much as they talk about passing and religion and stuff, it, it has, like, a sense of comedy. Like, in the opening, there's a scene where it's kind of like a break before the final scene where they do be, defeat the giant bad guy. It's, like, all of these uh, skeletons that are just being lit on fire um, and turned to ash, and they just, like, pop up one after the another covering the screen and it's like they, there's pops of color like yellow red orange and then like also green and the eyes and the skeletons they're not the same size kind of that like like hints at comedy and it's like you know these like bad guys they're already dead so you know already don't take it too seriously and it's like I don't know, like, there's very good underlying tones, and so I just, I'm kind of 50-50 if I would recommend this anime, because on one point, there's not much of a story to grab onto, it definitely goes from one place to the end, uh, to the next, you know, kind of seamlessly, but it's just like, did you want to stick around? for that part, you know, maybe not, maybe you would have been happier just watching something with a better plot, <laughs> but, um, it just these power, I think it's so fascinating, uh, just the concept of this anime, so it's like, I felt like there was so much potential, and the potential was definitely shown through this absolutely stunning visuals. And just the openings, like, I felt like they had a good concept of what the story could be. Um, and granted, I'm not done. I wanted to make this episode before I finish, though. Because I don't know if and when I'll come back um, to this show. But I guess it's just kind of indicative of where I stand. I'm halfway through this show, and I still don't know if I'd recommend it um, or not. And it's, uh, it's an interesting call. Um, if I were an artist, uh, I would definitely be making fan art of the characters, of just the scenes, trying to copy the visual effect the fire has. Um, just really good choices on the colors, too. <clears throat> the outfits are these this beautiful black and highlighter blue like neon blue and uh, Just the character designs are really done well done And so I give this anime I probably tip it over the edge and I'd say six out of ten uh, Simply because I've just never seen more visually appealing um, episodes Thank you so much for watching Rose Reviews. I hope you liked this podcast. And um, I'll be sure to do more in the future. Thank you for listening. Bye.